Welcome to the Founders with Purpose podcast, where I interview early stage founders about their mission, why they chose startup life, and how they will get where they're going. I'm your host, Darian Parrish, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, we're back with uh, the founder of Punch, Mitesh. Mitesh, thank you for joining us. Uh, could you tell us all a little bit more about what Punch is and, and why you started the journey? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me, Darian. And uh, well, Punch, as uh, as I think you would have uh, seen in the little snippet we shared earlier, is essentially commerce over chat. We built Punch for uh, B2B businesses uh, to help them complete their entire trade and communication cycle within a simple messaging interface. So everything from receiving orders, um, raising invoices, and making payments um, all can happen within a simple communication and texting interface. Yes, and I've I've checked out your website, and it looks very very clean. And uh, just a point of clarification: Are these chats through uh, through the Punch app, or are they via text message? They're within the Punch app. So Punch is essentially a messaging app. Um, so both sides need to have uh, the app downloaded and. and uh, if that answers your question, is that what you were? Clarifying? Yes, that that that, oh. that answers it. Thank you very much. And uh, just just to go a little bit deeper on this, what types of uh, current customers or businesses are are using the product, and is this right for any type of uh, e-commerce business, or is it um, kind of having a focused vertical? Yeah. So you know, we are typically looking at. Um, SMBs, small to medium-sized businesses, and those are the ones that, you know, my hypothesis starting out was that that's typically the segment that's missed out on and people don't build for them. Uh, they tend to rely on voicemails, Excel sheets, you know, your you know old school uh, communication, um, just calling each other, or some of them even use fax, to my surprise, uh, which seems to be quite prevalent here in the U.S., um, you know, it's it's essentially you know um, roastery selling to cafes, think producers selling to restaurants, um, or uh, flower makers selling to bakeries. Uh, your typical small this these could be like a solo entrepreneur, or small team size company that's selling you know locally and tends to do wholesale. So B two B essentially. Yeah, that's great, and uh, I think there's. There's always an interesting story behind your decision to go B2B instead of B2C. Uh, you know, in this case, I might imagine it might be because the B2C market is, is somewhat saturated on the, the communication side. Uh, is, is that the reason or did you um, have interest in B2B or see an opportunity otherwise? Yeah, partially you're right. You know, I think over the past decade, a lot of the um, interface improvements, you know, platform improvements we've seen have typically been on the B2C side. Um, and there's so many tools out there that entrepreneurs can use if they want to launch something on the B2C front, uh, whether it's an e-commerce store or, or selling services online. However, on the B2B side, what I noticed was it still relied on traditional and old school methods. And uh, so that was one. And the second part was that I always felt that you can't really take the B2C template and apply it to the B2B side. Um, and so my whole, uh, you know, the, sort of the insight that that led me to, 
you know, the state where I really wanted to test it out, whether that's really true, was that, you know, B2C transactions are typically, you know, discovery-based and one-time transaction, whereas B2B ones are relationship-based. And, you know, you have the terms of your transaction that are usually preset or set at one point in time. And post that, it's really about the relationship and communications and, and you know, and efficiency. So, for instance, if you were to come across a, I don't know, Instagram ad or any other mode by which you discover your, your shopping as a consumer or whether it's just search need based on Amazon, you would search for it and, you know, add to cart. It's all self-driven, whereas, you know, chat is really in case you need some kind of uh, customer support or help if you have a question. Whereas on the B2B side, I wanted to sort of flip the interface and, you know, keep chat or communication at the center of it because what you're really talking about is, you know, what products do you have? Do you have any trade promotions? Um, uh, you know, something came in or you had received 12 cartons and one of them was, were, uh, was damaged or need to return something. Um, and orders are really, you know, a course of business. It's really about convenience. You know, if you're running a business, uh, you typically tend to uh, know when you need what, and there's a cadence to your ordering or its basis, you know, when your stock depletes and so on. Um, and I wanted to sort of make sure that it's it's something that can be done easily. Um, but still use something that doesn't need extensive training. So, you know, most B2B software that you see out there is usually something that's clunky, um, you know, big in size, needs some training to get a hold of, you know, most ERPs that manage, you know, some of these inventory and auto ordering uh, components of, of businesses. So I wanted to sort of do a bunch of those. And that's what led me to, you know, uh, trying to do this on the B2B side. Yeah, I think this is this is just so interesting because uh, the the SMB space, uh, you're absolutely right. It, from from what I've experienced, is very out outdated in technology, and uh, there's there's just such a need to uh, to increase efficiency and even just have a better customer or user experience. I should say, what's what's something that you think uh, is not currently in punch that uh might be interesting to some of the users because i from the website it looks like you know you have the ability to place orders which which makes sense for for the wholesale um and then you know you have the communication component what other types of uh, relationship building as you called it uh, do you think might happen in punch in the future right so you know today um relationships are, are discussed. So if you were to open a new cafe, uh, the way you tend to build supplier relationships is if you go to a trade show or, you know, an, um, an expo that's specific to your industry, or, you know, you get to know of companies or sales reps uh, approach you and so on. So uh, that's where you tend to have initial meetings. And what we, what I'd hope to do at some point is, um, is sort of, uh, morph punch into more of a discovery marketplace as well. Um, so think like a hyper local Alibaba, where if you were to, uh, you know, uh, look out for suppliers in your zip code that at least supply to your zip code in a 200 mile radius, you'd be able to discover, you know, pretty groceries or produce sellers that, uh, that sell to other businesses in your area. And I think that'd be really interesting to, to explore, um, 
because unless you buy a booth as a supplier at one of your trade shows, there's no organic way today that um, you know newer businesses can discover you on the wholesale side, at least. Yep, that makes sense. I think discovery is a huge component of it, and in, in right now very time-consuming and costly. So I think there's a real, real opportunity there. Let's go back to the starting of Punch and why you started the company and, and why you thought you know startup life was even even a viable option for you. Yeah. Um, so actually, this is my fourth startup of sorts. Uh, so I've been uh, at it in different shapes and forms for a while now. Um, I actually started my career uh, you know, on a conventional path. So fresh out of MBA school, joined um, a bank, uh, Citibank. This was back in India. And um, I actually worked there for almost six years. So I, it wasn't like I, I was an entrepreneur out of the gate, you know, straight out of the gate. Um, and I quite enjoyed that. Uh, I think uh, you can be entrepreneurial in, uh, you know, your conventional career as much as you can be in, in you know, the conventional sense of a startup. Um, and I think that's what uh, kept me in, in my job for the period that it did. I think it's only when, you know, as you go up to a certain stage and it doesn't appeal to you, or I think it's a function of, and you can rationalize it either way, it might be a function of, you know, the right idea or the right um, opportunity coming at, at a particular point in time compared to, you know, um, uh, your learning curve sort of peaking and, and so on. So it might be a combination of those things, but I think that's what happened to me at that point in time. And this was back in 2011. Um, that's when I started my first sort of company called Fee Counter. We were a payments aggregator in the education space. Um, so think, um, a stripe, but focused on schools, colleges, and education platforms. Got it. So it so it sounds like you started with one, and then tell us how you what what you don't have to go into all the details, but how how did you get from from company one, startup one, to startup four, and uh, how do how do you keep the stamina or, or energy and, and interest in wanting to keep pushing forward? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it is a long-winded story. So, I'll, I'll try to keep it as 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 short as I can because that gets me from you know first startup one back in India to startup four here in the U.S. Um, uh, but you know, in a gist, you know, our our largest investor acquired us in 2013. Um, my second startup was uh, just something that I wanted to capitalize on um, uh, with with a piece of property that I had. So we built a uh, a co working space for doctors. Um, the difference, you know, from a conventional co working space was essentially that we were built for the medical professionals. So you'd have sanitation stations, you know, uh, all the facilities, checking medical beds built specific to running a uh, a medical consultancy at a, at a particular site. Um, it's called the Mediclave and it's on till today back in India. Um, my third startup was Taurus Tech. Um, and this is when we now settled here in the US. And um, I wanted to, um, you know, uh, this was actually quite frankly, the lowest hanging fruit for me because I still had developer connections back in India. And um, um, over here, 
wheeled out in Wisconsin. So, you know, a lot there were a lot of startups and companies that didn't have access to the right tech talent. And so that seemed to be, you know, as we were transitioning our residency, that seemed to be the right opportunity at the time. Um, and then Punch, Startup 4, is just basically one of those things that's been in my head for a while now. And, you know, there are ideas that come and go. You know, you think of ideas and then you forget about them maybe a few months later. This was one of those that just came, kept coming back in different shapes or forms. And and um, I just, it came to a point where I was like, I just have to try it out and take a swing at it and see where it leads. So, you know, here I am. That's great. And I just, I think Punch is such a phenomenal idea in, in such a needed uh, product. But we, we both know that, that startups aren't uh, without their challenges and uh, it's not all sunshine. So w- why don't you tell us uh, what's a key or core challenge right now and, and how you plan to overcome that? Yeah, I think the core problem I'm trying to solve is product market fit uh, in, the, in the truest sense. So, you know, we got our first five beta suppliers uh, or wholesalers on the platform just via a Slack message, like just a post on a Slack group. So it wasn't really active marketing, which was great. So it validated that there were businesses out there that saw the need for something like this. But the, the biggest problem I have today is that I don't see usage the way um, I would have assumed it to be. So I need to figure out, you know, uh, with, with my customer, like, iterate and, and do some of these things that we had planned uh, in, from a product roadmap perspective, but uh, didn't execute just, you know, because you want to go stage by stage MVP to, to really, you know, ratify some of your assumptions and then uh, iterate basis what our customers tell us. So I think the biggest challenge is, is figuring that out because not a lot of customer interviews are, um, are valid feedback at times, you know, and, and it has to be a balance of what you know is possible versus what your customer thinks is possible or what he needs. So it has to be sort of a combination of, of their feedback and you have to write, read the right things into their, you know, their answers. So uh, that's sort of the, the challenge and marrying that with the product roadmap that we had laid out, but we're just waiting for our initial MVP rollout. Um, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I don't think any entrepreneur or startup founder is going to be surprised to hear that you didn't get, you know, exa- understand exactly what the co- customer would want the first iteration. <laughs> I think uh, this this sounds like a discussion, um, maybe for, for some readers of the Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Uh, you know, iteration is, is uh, harped on a lot in that book and how, how uh, there might be uh, tens or hundreds of iterations before getting it right. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there are some uh, calls that it's such a delicate balance when you are starting up um, that, you know, there are some iterations that need capital or resources that you can't really execute, even though you know that they are the right direction to go. So it's it's a delicate balance of sort of conserving or expending resources uh, conservatively and in the right order such that you can successfully iterate to the next version. You know, you don't want to be dead in the water at, at a at a point. Uh, you know, you just have to progress. Uh, you know, um, and snowball this into where you want it to be. Um, and it's so frustrating, or you know, j- just to balance that um, that expectation from 
being able to execute to you know being able to do it in a bootstrap manner right I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense and um, you know it seems like you you've got some momentum going here with punch um, as we move into the the final uh, segment here I just want to give you any uh, the opportunity to mention anything about punch that maybe we haven't discussed yet um, that you think uh, the listeners or pr- uh, prospective customers would would want to know yeah I, I think you know, we sort of touched upon, um, you know, various aspects of how Punch is built. Um, I think one of the core things that we are looking to do as, and we've really touched upon how it's um, uh, it's a, uh, a trade transaction platform for B2B businesses. But what we're really trying to be uh, is a, uh, a fintech provider for some of these SMBs. So we are working on building a, a credit line or a virtual commercial purchase card for businesses that can then use that line to make purchases. Um, and we we basically use their past transaction history within Punch um, and assign a, a credit period. So we are really trying to move in the sphere where we can provide uh, partial banking services, if that makes sense, um, to to businesses buying from other businesses and cater to both sides, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely uh, always a need for a more full suite of things. Um, you know, once you get customers that are using the product and very interested in it, I think um, the lower the friction too, as well. You know, if they don't have to think about payment or uh, credit when they're trying to complete a transaction on on Punch, I think that's going to be uh, a competitive advantage for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where, you know, uh, it's, again, something you think might be possible. Uh, consumers don't directly ask for it because they don't think today for it to be possible. Uh, but and, and they sort of use services that are either direct negotiation based or from their banking partners. But I think, like you said, you know, um, it'd be great if we were to take that friction out of the equation and then just allow them to form um trade partnerships, you know, without the, the goal of negotiating credit. Yes, that's great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mitesh, for joining. And uh, tell the listeners really quickly where they can find you uh, online. And I'll send, uh, I'll add those uh, links to the show notes. Sure. So I'm on Twitter at Mitesh Ajmeda, personally, and uh, Punch is, um, our website is punchapp.com. We are also on on Twitter at PNCH app. Um, And, you know, Facebook page is also fairly easy to find. So great. Well, we'll uh, make sure those get in the show notes and all the users, uh, listeners can come check you out. Uh, I think this is very interesting and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what happens over the next few months. So Mitesh, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Darian. That's it for this episode. Please be sure to follow Founders with Purpose and tune in again soon.